2 Corinthians 10 and verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James tonight, and uh, we do have notes for you. Are you ready? Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Don't we need that? Who in presence I am lowly among you, but being absent, I am bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Oh, God, come and release your word tonight. May we never be the same. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Move the way you want to move. Come by the very finger of God and write on the fleshly tablets of our heart. May we never be the same after tonight. May you mark us significantly. Change us, I pray. I bind, gag, and muzzle every assignment of distraction. I take authority over any Instagram or Facebook spirit right now. And I pray, God, that you would speak to us. We would not be distracted. We would be illuminated. We would be released. We would be loose. God, do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Move the way you want to move. We won't stop you, every man, every woman. And you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The battle. I've preached on strongholds and spiritual warfare messages, and I do it relatively regularly. Spiritual warfare, by some estimations, has become passe. So that's something they did back in the early 90s. But, you know... We don't really need to do that now. And, and many people have relegated their pulpits to leadership training and instruction platforms. And I'm not a, against leader. You know the beautiful thing about leadership is you could not have the gift of leadership and you can learn. And you can, you can change. And God can help you develop a stronger gift of leadership. And, I've, I'm, and I'm hoping for a stronger gift of leadership as I read books and try to resource me. But the sacred desk, how many of you know what that is? That's what I'm standing behind right now, the pulpit. The pulpit is not just for leadership. It's for impartation, anointing. It's for training, instruction. It's for reproof. Come on, it's for the power of God to manifest. And, you know, many times people, people just think, well, I just, you know, I just, need, I just need to be a better leader. I need to learn more. Knowledge puffs up. You need more of the anointing. You need knowledge that moves you into a deeper revelation of who he is and who you are, and that you need to be equipped for the work of ministry, right? So that's why, that's why we do what we do here. That's why we have so many services. I've had somebody say, you're going to wear yourself out. I'm not going to wear myself out because I'm going to stay plugged into the one who never wears out. I'm going to stay plugged in. I'm going to stay on fire. 
I've got to be careful of my vocal cords and different things, and as long as they keep giving me monitor, it's going to be all right. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. I want to rejoice before I get into this text to say that uh, I've asked the Lord for a Hammond uh, organ. How many of you know what a Hammond is? It's the quintessential gospel organ. There is none better. And, and there, there'll be people that say, well, they have got, you know, they've got, you know, uh, synthesizers and they can reproduce that exact sound. Oh, no, they can't. They think they can, but until you really hear a ham and then you know. You say, what is that? It's a gospel organ. And uh, it's found in, in uh, many gospel churches, black churches. They still use it. Uh, and it's become popular again. I've been asking God for 20 years. If you look in the corner, God sent us one from 1960-something in cherry condition, all renovated. And uh, Minister Micah said, Pastor, where are we going to put it on the stage? I don't know. The stage going to have to change. That's what I'm saying. That's going on the stage. And uh, praise God, we've got a bigger stage coming up. Minister Micah, you're so gracious with me. Thank you. The battle. I want you to imagine a, uh, a picture of what the Apostle Paul and those in the first century knew a lot about that we don't know. Cities had a wall around the Proverbs says the man who lacks self-control is like a city without walls. That, that, that's a, a clear definition in the Proverbs for those that understand walls and cities. For us, we don't really understand that. So you could say it differently maybe to help you understand. The, the man who lacks self-control is like the house that doesn't have a front door. You could say it something like that. But it still doesn't quite do it. It doesn't quite do it. Because a city would have a wall around it of protection. And Jerusalem had a wall around it. And, and many cities had walls. The walls of Jericho fell flat when God took over that place as they hollered and yelled and the earthquake came. The walls around cities, walls around, around Babylon and so on and so forth. So for the Apostle Paul, he's talking about warfare and talking about battle. There's walls, um, uh, not Ecclesiastes, it begins with an E, it's not Ecclesiastes. Ezekiel, I got it. Thanks, Pastor. Praise God. Ezekiel says your walls are broken down. Who's going to make up the gap in the wall? I looked for a man among them. Come on, a gap is a picture of an intercessor. The walls of America have been broken down. What are the walls? I think they represent the Word of God and they represent truth. And to the Apostle Paul in the first century and those who understood this illustration, when the walls would be breached for a city, it wasn't over until you took the stronghold. A stronghold is, is a place within the walls that if, God forbid, the enemy breached your walls and came in, then you would get into the stronghold and it could be defended by two or three people. Masada was a stronghold. It's not exactly within a city, but it's a picture of a stronghold. Could it be that strongholds are in our own lives. What do you mean? I mean a place in your thinking, and the battle's in your mind, we'll talk about that, a place within your thinking that is impregnated with hopelessness, that's actually a place for evil to be, to access your life. Let's write your notes. Could it be that strongholds can be evil thoughts which have which we have which control your life and I say yes and see could it be that strongholds are places where Satan and his demons have legal 
basis to operate in our lives? And again, I say yes. And it's my express intention by the Holy Ghost to preach a message to you. If you're feeling uncomfortable right now, it's because you're about to be snipered from heaven in a stronghold. Listen, if you have anything on the inside of you that needs to be torn down, anything that in, on the inside of you that's not of God, you would want to get rid of that. If you have anything in your life that's going to destroy you or undermine his plan or, or destroy your marriage or take you out early or, or, or be like a landmine, strongholds are often like landmines that go off at the most inopportune time to destroy as many people as possible, including your own life. Satan's a legalist. You look at the scriptures, Job 1 and 2, we won't look at all of these. Job's 1 and 2, Satan standing before God, accusing Job, trying to get at God, basically. Zechariah 3, 1 through 2, there's Satan accusing Joshua, the high priest. In Luke 22, verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked, you turn to this one, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. Now, we've preached on this before. But there were aspects in, in Simon's life that made him a candidate. How many of you know what a candidate is? Yeah, he made him a candidate for sifting. Say, so what was that? Well, if you look at his life, he constantly is putting his foot in his mouth, and he seemed to have a pride problem. And I think it was the, the pride. I mean, I, I, I so esteem Peter, and sometimes I feel like him. You know? and, and he's the only person that walked on water other than Jesus that we know about. I mean, that's amazing. You can poke fun at Peter all you want to, but he got out of the boat when everybody else was just freaked out. Bid me to come to you. Come, Peter. He's like, that's the $6 million man for those of you. All right. You just got touched by the Lord right there. Hey. But he's the only one that walked on the water, but he was also sifted. I'll never deny you, Lord. Everybody else is going to turn their back, but I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm, I'm never going to turn my back on you. Er, 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 preached on it recently. He denied the Lord, and the rooster made him aware that he had done the very thing and that God was still in control. But Satan desired to sift Simon. Listen, tonight, could it be that you have things on the inside of you that have set you up for sifting, and it is my, my deepest desire? to rip it down with your help come on somebody say stronghold come on down <laughs> I'll try to put sugar on it we're going to have fun Revelation 12 verse 10 and then I heard a loud voice say now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority and they're all ama that's amazing it'll preach all by itself for the accuser of the brothers has been cast down Satan is the accuser but he does so on legal terms. He's a legalist. If he has rights, then he'll accuse you. If he doesn't have rights, then he can't say anything. I was talking to somebody recently who's, uh, I think it was Sunday. They're having a very hard time. I mean, they're very, very difficult time. And one of the things that's going on in their life is they've opened the door to the enemy. So, I mean, if you open the door to the enemy, why are you surprised that you're getting your, your hair pulled out by him? And I, I, said to the, I said to the young man, I said, look, if I jump in my truck right now, my Cummings Turbo 2500 chipped truck, and I drive around town at 100 plus as fast as I can until I get, you know, what's going to happen eventually? Are you going to either get an accident maybe? Or maybe you're going to hurt somebody? Are you going to get pulled over? 
and you're going to jail, homie. Going to go to jail. Why? Because you can't drive 100 plus miles an hour around in your car. So what makes you think you can, you can look at pornography, you can, you, can, you can yield to your rage, yield to your lust, yield to your greed, yield to these different things of your fallen human nature and think you ain't going to get a ticket. And you're going to get a ticket. How stupid can you be and breathe? I'm not looking at anybody. I'm going back here to preach for a second. God. I'm like, oh, my life's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried to quit, but I keep going back. I keep going back. I keep going. Yeah, you might have a stronghold. We're going we're gonna to try to deal with that. Very simply. When we believe a lie, this is like Christianity 101, even though it's not preached too often. When we believe a lie, it gives Satan's right to us. So we can say, that I, I, Satan doesn't have any rights to me. Well, he had rights to Peter, it seemed, to be sifted. I mean, he's the chief, chief disciple and then apostle. He had rights to him. The lie in your mind is the, is the key that the enemy uses to try to control you. Well, how do you know if I'm believing a lie? That's an excellent question. Excellent question. The battle for the mind. The battle is for the mind. If the, if the enemy can control you through you believing lies, then you're finished. So look at this text uh, very simply. The Apostle Paul's facing opposition in the church by false apostles who are trying to take over the church. And they're accusing him. Now, how do you know that? Well, when you read the epistles, as I've said so many times, epistle it means letter in Greek. When you read them, it's a one-way conversation. So when he's answering and he's saying there's some among you or he, he, he's, he's talking, it's obvious that he's responding to things that have been said. So we're, we're seeing this, that he's being accused. And they're, they're demeaning. They're sowing lies in the people's minds. You can see 2 Corinthians 10. For the sake of time, I won't go there. But they, they're sowing lies in the minds of the people. They're demeaning Paul's authority and his character. They're lying about him and what God is doing through him. They're boasting. They're what? They're, they're, they're boasting about how great they are. You've got to be careful when anybody wants to boast about how great they are. You want to take a couple steps back from their greatness. They're taking advantage of the church. They were taking advantage of the church. Paul realized it's happening, and he, and he deals with it. Paul defines strongholds. This Greek word is interesting. Look at, look at verse 4 and 5 with me. And if you could put that up, please. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So he's saying, okay, so we're in a battle. Come on, somebody say there's, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. And there's weapons that God has given us. And i just teach you a little bit here. What weapons? Well, it's not an AK-47. It's, it's not an AR. It's not a Glock 19. It's not one of these. Nah, I should probably not. He's not talking about <laughs> I just cracked myself up. Praise God. <laughs> okay. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a weapon like a handgun. It's not, it's not a tank. It's not a nuclear bomb. Oh, no. Much more powerful. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And here, chapter, uh, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. This Greek word here. Casting down arguments. 
This Greek word is arguments, it's reasoning, it's thoughts, it's attitudes that lead to certain actions. Do you ever remember a moment in your life when you knew that something was true and you made certain actions towards that, but then you realized you were wrong? How many times have I done that? I remember you know, thinking I was operating in a high level of discernment, and actually it was my own gift of suspicion, I think. Because everything I was discerning was completely inaccurate. Of course, I didn't know that till I was grossly embarrassed, and I was thankful for the Lord. That's the Lord loving me so much to expose the lie. Listen, if you think something about someone that's not true, then you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? This happens with gossip, character assassination. Somebody says something about your next door neighbor and then before you know it, you're like looking at him. Yeah, and it actually wasn't. No, not that neighbor. You know, after you're walking and you see them pulling out, you're like, pulling some form of spiritual witchcraft. Christian witchcraft, I should say. Christian witchcraft. I might. I just might. I, I might preach that. You know, when you talk about her or him, it happens in youth all the time. They're always picking on each other, talking stinking about each other, and spreading lies, and half-truths. How many know the half-truths a lie? Arguments. Reasoning. I mean, this can fit in many ways. I mean, just think about the time that you wanted to get healed, but in your mind you're thinking, I can't have my hearing open because I'm deaf, and the doctor told me that I have a nerve disorder. I've had it since I was a child. So the evidence and, and the argument is, you have a nerve disorder in your ear, and so you're deaf. Okay, well, God doesn't operate in all of that there's 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 another there's a higher level so what do you do you have to believe what god's word says come on faith is confident assurance of what you cannot see you say well i don't feel like it I, well listen feeling facts don't have feelings the facts are this it doesn't matter how, how you feel feelings are important you know how many of you know if you're getting burned um that's you know you feel it's terrible if you don't have feelings in your hands you get burned right Feelings can protect you, right? But you're not supposed to live your life by them, and you're certainly not supposed to make decisions based on feelings. You're supposed to make decisions and live your life based on the Word of God, based on faith, not by what you see, but by faith we walk, right? So you can begin to develop arguments that are contrary to God's Word that set you up for a stronghold that hinders you from the free-flowing power of His Spirit and will undermine and destroy your life. And actually... Some of those things can really allow for the devil to have a, fo a foothold in your life. This Greek word also, every high thing, pretensions, arrogance. Now here's the thing. If you look at this Greek word, which I can't pronounce, it can even mean cosmic power. Every high thing. Tearing down, pulling down every, every high thing. The, the idea is this, this idea of, of, of thoughts and arguments 
actually allow for the high thing to be there. A cosmic power. What are you saying? I'm telling you, you can't afford. Are you reading my white lips this evening? You cannot afford to have a thought inside your head that God doesn't have towards you. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And some of you are beating your, beating your brains out, wondering where the, why can't I overcome this thing? Because you're believing a lie. You've not been transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've been partially transformed. Okay, you're born again. Praise God, you get born again. But I mean, there, there's more to being born again. It's, it's enough to make it to heaven, but you're here. You're here. Why are you here? To basically bring the kingdom in the earth. And people who don't have renewed minds aren't going to release the kingdom. They will stumble around and get sifted by Satan. I'm preaching way better than your amen and praise God. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Paul sees the goal of taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4, the apostle Paul says to the church in Corinth, the God of this age has blinded them so they don't see the gospel. It's a perfect picture. Come on, some of you, before you gave your heart to Jesus, you... Right? You were blind. You realized that. I mean, you saw the cross. You heard about Jesus. You're like, it irritated you maybe, or you didn't want to hear anything about it. Then after you got saved, every telephone pole was a cross. There's a cross on your front door. You see crosses on people's necks. There's crosses everywhere. You think you might see one in your palm. You're like, man, Jesus died on a cross. I mean, it's just like, <gasps> all of a sudden, your eyes are open. You begin to read the word. I've had people say to me, you know, I've read the word lots of times, doesn't make any sense. Then, then they get saved, all of a sudden, huh, it makes sense. Imagine that. Because the God of this age, or the God of this age is not Jesus, it's Satan. And he comes and he brings blinding assignments, and you need to take authority over him. Listen, some of you are blind as a bat in certain areas, and you don't even know it. And so the enemy, you're, you're wondering why you can't have the breakthrough, because you have a stronghold. Oh yeah, you've given Jesus your heart, but there's a stronghold of lust. There's a place in your, in your mind where you will not, you will not tithe. There's no way you're going to tithe. It's because you have a greed problem. I feel like, pre I'm, I'm going to pretend I'm on the evangelist for a second, maybe. Listen, if you get offended, you just go ahead and call Pastor, Pastor Jones here on the front. He'll help you. Some may have a greed problem. There's no way you can tie. You just can't. You won't. No, that, no, I can't. No, I'm not going to do that. I don't know how you can trust God with your eternal salvation when you can't give him 10 cents on a dollar. That seems a little odd to me. You've got to pull down those thoughts, those rogue thoughts. You have, to, you have to pull them down. You say, well, how do I do that? How do, you, how do I know if I'm even having a rogue thought? It's a great question. Because many times in our lives, we have things that are out of accord or lies or, or uh, arguments in our mind, in our life, about our wife, about our husbands, about our kids, about our finances, about, about our calling, and, and we don't see it. Paul does this, this tearing down, taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ, and we're going to get to very very practical ways of how to tear down the stronghold. I mean, it's like a great word already. We can close in prayer, but I, I, I hate those kind where you're like, dude, that was good, but, but how, do I, how do I do that? I'm going to tell you how. 
Paul does this through the spiritual weapons, not carnal ones. All right, God's speaking to us very simple. Uh, we are in a battle for our mind. Some of the strongholds that are around in our culture in the United States and Alaska is, uh, here, here's one thought. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. So the idea is eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. It doesn't matter because I'm going to die anyway, so I can do whatever I want. It's like, it's like an excuse. It's a stronghold that, that you can just live for self because it just doesn't matter. First of all, yeah, you're going to die. Man is given one life to live, and then the judgment. Don't forget the judgment part. Yes, you're going to die. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. And we have that in common here in this room. When is that? No idea. You're not promised tomorrow. If you're not right with God, you want to be sure you do it tonight. Right? Okay, so we're all going to die, but this idea is it, it, it's worship of self. Over and over, we've heard people say, no, no, you know, it's my life. I can do what I want. It's not your life, and it, it's not your life, and you can't do what you want to with it. You say, well, I, I'm a Christian. Then your, your life is no longer your own. I mean, you've given it to him. Actually, your body belongs to him, too. Now, I, I'm probably, I'm probably going to get in trouble. Um, let, me, let me just tell you my revelation about this for me, okay? My body is not mine. So now if I tattooed my body prior to salvation, then that would be one thing. But my body is no longer my own, and so based on that, I'm talking about for me. If you want to tattoo your body, it's between you and Jesus. I don't, and the reason I don't, and I'm not condemning anybody that does, in fact, I enjoy a good tattoo art. I mean, I, I can appreciate it for art, okay? I'm just telling you, for me, I don't, I don't, I don't have tattoos. I never got tattoos. I'm never going to get tattoos. I came close to getting I didn't. I'm not going to now because I have a theological understanding that my body is no longer my own and, and a Hebrew understanding that the body is sacred. The body is sacred. Even Hebrew understanding, Christian understanding, my body is sacred. It belongs to God. So I can't mark it because it's his. So that's, that's my take on, on tattoos. You say, what are you, are you saying? No, I'm not saying anything. The guy, I love you. Keep coming. Praise God. You want to get more tattoos? Go for it. Just, it's between you and Jesus. I'm not going to look down at you, but listen, you should know if it's all right between you and the Lord. I could just do what I want to. No, no, you can't. You, know, you, you, you can't. You can't do what you want to. I can, he said, I can get a tattoo. Okay. Understand that our life is no longer our own. And many people have the idea that it's my life and I'm going to die and I can do whatever I want to. That's a stronghold. And people that live like that hurt everybody all around them. Second thing, stronghold. Fears, worry, anxiety. Oh, the economy. Oh, the midterm elections. Oh, oh, oh. Man, God's on the throne. You know what I loved about Satan desire to sift you? You know what I love about that? is that Jesus is in control of the entire thing. I mean, he's, he's in control. The cock will crow, and then you've denied me three times. And when the cock crows, it's saying that Jesus even controls the rooster to crow at the exact time. He knows everything. Come on, don't worry. Worry fundamentally is sin. Don't worry. You can't add one hair to your head. Believe me, I've tried that. Not really. I like being bald. It's wonderful. Very easy to deal with. You can't cause yourself to grow. You can't, come on, you can't add a cubit to your stature. You, you're not in control of the weather. Come on, trust God. Everybody say, trust God. 
So people get all twisted about the economy, twisted about the world ending. Come on, God's on the throne. Anger. Anger. Anger can be a stronghold. You know, people that are quick to snap. I mean, they just snap. This little slightest thing, they just want to, like, freak out. Could be that they were so rejected when they were younger and they're still affected by that rejection that it just works in them this anger and whenever that button is pushed listen let me let me just tell you if you have a trigger with anger or fear something that is true like a hair trigger it doesn't even have to be a hair trigger it's just you know it's a trigger it goes off and it doesn't make any sense it's because there's an unhealed place on the inside of you that's triggering that you need to get to the root of what that unhealed thing is tear it down root it out get healed in the name of jesus and 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 quit believing the lie that it's suddenly going to be over or you're not going to make it or you're not enough anger unforgiveness is another stronghold i've seen this over and over before really unforgiveness is sort of your way of getting even and it's also it's also like saying no i don't I, God's judgment's not enough, or I don't really trust in his judgment, so I need to bring my stinking own judgment. And, and people that don't forgive, they don't really have a revelation of the blood and the cross, they don't have a revelation of that. And unforgiveness, let me tell you who it's going to kill. It's going to kill you. And scientists have proven, not that we have to even have them proven, it's in the Word. I mean, come on, if I had... If I, if I uh, regarded the iniquity in my heart, David said, he would not have heard my bones wasted away if I regarded the iniquity. Like, if you could hold on to stuff and you will waste away. I mean, I've known people that got, I think they gave themselves cancer. For one thing, they're prophesying it over their lives over and over and over, and they're filled with unforgiveness and bitterness. You know what's interesting? And there's a book, uh, it's called The More Excellent Way. Some of you folks are into this kind of thing. A more excellent way and what somebody did a christian a spirit-filled believer took all of the diseases that that are not like known to mankind and then began to analyze people that had them and tried to find root causes spiritual root causes of of that disease i'm talking arthritis i mean name one and they and they and he could find a root cause that out of all of these thousands of people that they all had uh particular issues regarding their father that produced a certain disease like i think it's leukemia i, I might be wrong i think leukemia was linked in many cases not, not not all okay so don't get weird and it's not bible it's it's just interesting to know that, it, that the root cause of leukemia is unhealed father's wound father wounds now i know some people that, that died of leukemia we prayed we prayed we prayed and it just so happens my personal experience, everyone that died of the, of the leukemia that I know, they all had major father wound and things going on. How many of you know what a father wound is? Okay, dad abandoned him, dad rejected him, never told him he loved him, never, you know, all this stuff. You say, well, that happened to me. Well, maybe you were able to forgive and let it go. The point is, if you have a stronghold in your area, it's going to produce something in your life that's not of God, okay? I'm not telling you, well, I need to be healed of my father. Does that mean I'm getting leukemia? No, you're not getting leukemia. You're blessed, but tear that thing down. Get healed. Forgive him. For You don't know what he did. Well, we need to look more of what Jesus did. How about that? We need to think about what Jesus did. I know I don't know what he did. I'm sure it was horrible, and I'm not trying to demean that. I'm saying that the, the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to cleanse and forgive, and you must apply it. He said, I don't feel like it. Yes, that's the problem. 
Quit living according to your feelings and live according to truth, which is the blood of Jesus was shed for that heinous, horrible thing that happened to you, that happened to your kids, that happened to your marriage, that horrible, heinous thing that took place in your life. Jesus died for that too. And furthermore, if you don't forgive, your sins aren't forgiven. That's, the, that, that, that's right there. Your sins remain. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. It is in heaven, give us day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You didn't know I could speed talk, did you? Unforgiveness, false doctrine. Oh, how many times have I seen this? We're talking about just some exa examples of strongholds. If you have a theological distortion in your life, that theological distortion can bring a bondage. I, I've heard people say, no, the, the Lord, the good Lord gave me depression so I could learn humility. What kind of, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. Show me some scripture on that. In fact, that is one of my favorite things to do. Where do you see that in the word? Show me, where do you see that in the word? Oh, poverty. Poverty's from the devil. He became rich. I mean, he was rich. He became poor that we might become. That's what the text says. I think it's Philippians. Is that right? Poverty's from the devil. It doesn't give God glory for you to be broke and not be able to put food for your babies on the table. It doesn't give God glory for you not be able to pay your bills. It doesn't give God glory for you to suffer in that way. Now, you've got to work or you don't eat. You've got to do your part. No, I suffered under poverty for a long time. It was a mindset. Anytime I got some money, I'd blow it instantaneously. That's poverty. I mean, there's all kinds of testimonies of of people who had doctrine that was twisted and as a result they did not walk in the fullness of what God had. One of the things that, that, that really gets people upset is tongues. And they get upset, here's what I've found, people get upset with tongues when they're challenged that they're not baptized in the Spirit and they don't pray in tongues yet, but they take it as a rejection and then they make a theological argument and try to prove that tongues is is, is not for today and the Holy Spirit is not for today and you don't have to be baptized in the Spirit and they'll make an argument and they'll go and they'll stay in certain denominations and make a whole theology out of it. We try to tear that down. I've done it on other messages but I'm telling you, you can be baptized, you can be filled with the Spirit and pray in other tongues. Furthermore, it's God's will, it's God's plan and you need the fire. You need the fire. Somebody said, is that what's going on in this church? Yes! Is that what's different out here? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Fire. The Holy Ghost and, and fire. I mean, don't you think that, that the apostles would have told us that Jesus would have said, stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Well, when you all die, nobody else gets the power. We're just going to talk about it. Does that sound like Jesus? That's not what it says. Peter comes out of the upper room, preaches to... A cursing sailor, no offense to the Navy, comes out and preaches till thousands of people get saved when he was cursing and denying the Lord and the rooster crowed. What happened to him? Fire. All right, got to utilize the weapons God provides. The truth, his word. The truth, his word. Say it. The truth, comma, his word. We've got to see that what we're feeling or thinking, we've got to get God's word on it. 
So what you're feeling and what you're thinking, you have to see if that lines up with the word. And if what you're, so, I mean, I, I don't know, it would be an example. Um, so you feel like a loser, okay? You're down about yourself. I just had this happen. So this is real life yesterday. Yesterday. So I went and, and uh, I've had a, a little bit of a problem with one of my tendons in my arm and I went to my beloved brother and um, Colin and he masterfully brought the healing touch of God through massage, okay? I don't ever do massage. I mean, like, I don't do massage much. There's only one person that massaged me, him. He's baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's not weird. He doesn't have any... No, like, when people touch, like, I see things. So, so it's kind of like, you know, they put their hands on me, and I start seeing stuff, and some stuff I don't want to see. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, if you don't understand, that's okay. I'm just telling you, I, we're all a little odd. I'm odd. I don't, I don't get it. Girls don't touch me except my wife. Amen. I don't have people massaging me, putting on hot rocks and all kinds. Of, I don't do any of that weirdness. Ain't gonna, amen. And I, and I certainly ain't going to get some sugar donut rubbed down either. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. So after, after, after the massage, I'm home, I'm, I get home, and I'm telling you, man, it was like, I don't know, man, I was wasted. Drank a bunch of water, and I, I'm home, and I just, I, I just felt this sadness. And it was like this heaviness, and almost, almost like a depression. And I, I, said to, I said to Pastor Karen, I said, man, and I feel like, I think this is, this, I think this is what depression feels like. I, I've forgotten, but I think this is it. And she goes, oh, it's a massage. You know, this stuff just working out. Sometimes your body does that, whatever. And they say you hold tension in. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Some of that's like conjecture. I, I don't, I don't, if you show me in the word, then I'll say, okay, that's the word. But I, I don't know. But in my own experience, that was what I was having. So I'm just like, oh, man. Oh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Jesus. Help me right now. And I felt like the Lord's like, yeah, you need to go to bed. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I woke up ready for the 18th round. Come on, Jesus, hallelujah. Lord, I mean, some of you get tired and you think it's a devil. You need to go to sleep. <laughs> My staff knows when I'm tired, I mean, it's Monday, you don't want the counseling. I'm going to give you one Monday. I'm just telling you. you know, I need help. You don't want the help, I'm going to give you. Be like, get a grip. Pull yourself up by your boot. Pray in tongues. Okay. The truth. You've got to get into the truth of God's word. You've got to let your life lie. Listen, you came on a Wednesday night. I don't mean to be hollering much at you. You're all here. Who comes on a Wednesday night to church? People that want to hear the word. They're constantly coming under the anointed, and I have to emphasize anointed, the anointed preaching of God's word tears down strongholds. So you're hearing things being preached and released. Mm, greed. Oh, I don't tithe. Maybe I should do that. No, you don't need to tithe. You know they're trying to get... I'm going to tithe. No, you're not. I need to tithe. No, no, I don't. Shut up! Some of you need to tell yourself to shut it. You just let it, any rampant voice run through your head. And when you come under the word and you come under the anointing, you come under the power of God, 
You begin to hear truth and that truth begins to penetrate the stronghold and it, it begins to tear it down by the anointing, by the power of God. Some of you have been dealing with strongholds in your life all your life. You are not unworthy. You're worthy. Why? The blood, the blood of Jesus. I don't feel unworthy. Change your feelings and adjust it to the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not a loser. You're a winner. I read the back of the book. You don't have to tolerate the shenanigans of the devil anymore. You can rise up in your blood-bought authority and begin to drive him out of your head, drive him out of your family, drive him out of the state. Drive them out of the United States of America. We need to have a great revival. Ah! You got to deal with your stronghold. Come on, somebody say deal with it. Or you can suffer and be half-hearted and hope you make it. You take your pick. I'm in it to win it. How about you? If I'm irritating you right now, you have a stronghold. If you want me just to shut up and can't wait till I close, you probably have a religious devil too. Shut up. Smile at your neighbor and say, man, I'm glad we came to church tonight. It's such a wonderful service. We've got to sit under the word preached constantly. It's Wednesday. I am in the process of digesting 30-something chapters of Scripture. Did you say 30-something? Yeah, I lost count. I could go figure it out. How do you do that? You do it. And I will tell you what happens. It changes you. The Word of God changes you. Some of you watch the TV in ungodly amounts of time. You're polluting your mind with, like, news and Polluting your mind with all kinds of stuff. I mean, I think we need to be up to date, but, but after you get the update, turn it off and pray. Some of, you, some of you drug yourself with food. Oh, did I step in something? What was that? Should we get on our horse and ride? Come on, I kid you. Some, some of you use food like, okay, you're not smoking crack anymore, you're not on heroin anymore, and you don't smoke dope anymore, at least not this week, but you do. Hallelujah. Come on, praise break. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody lift your hands. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 I bind that glutton spirit in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm having fun. Pastor Karen, you better start praying.
If you would get in the Word, like you've gotten into TV or Facebook, and again, I'm not on any of those things. Okay. Maybe you just are a workaholic. <laughs> Minister Micah, can you come save me on the keys here? Just the black ones, though. All right, come on. You just want to switch? Go ahead, switch. Brother Black Keys, come on down. You're on sound. You got to get under the spout where the glory comes out. You got to get in a place of power and the authority of God's word because there's so many lies out there being purveyed by so many different vendors. And you've got to just come to church and just say, Feed me, God. Feed me. You got to get in your quiet time. Begin to read the word and meditate on the word and, and pray in the Holy Ghost and build up your most holy faith. If you really want to be a spiritual athlete that God called you to, to wreck the towns for the glory of God. To turn this city upside down, to see people saved and healed and delivered, you're going to have to walk in a new way. To think the same way that you used to think and expect different results would be one of the definitions of insanity. You need to think differently. You need to change your mind. What just happened, Pastor? I slapped that thing. You need to keep it slapped. Slap it down and change your thinking. I don't do depression. I don't. Like I said, it's more challenging when I get lots of pressure, maybe financial pressure, ministry pressure, tension, and I'm not prayed up enough. I'm overtired. Those are the really challenging times for me. And that's when I just like, you know, my wife will help me, people will help me. Thank God. God, my son will be like, Dad, okay, I've just been rebuked by a 15-year-old. Oh, he's 16 now. I'll pray and say, Lord, what's going on? I'll say, take a nap. 
you're okay, you're okay. You're thinking, oh yeah, I didn't really sleep that much for the past three days. Time for a nap. But, or the Lord will put his finger on and say, no, you've got a bitterness that's begun regarding that thing and you need to deal with it, son. I'm like, oh yeah. Lord. Have faith in who God is. That God, God is good. Have faith that God is good. God is good. He is a good God. Come on, somebody say good. You got to rely on the Holy Spirit. We're talking about tearing down strongholds. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Trust Him. Let Him lead you. God gives me dreams more than ever before. I also have visions, so that means I'm mi middle-aged. Old men dreams, young men visions. I get both middle-aged which is good, twice the power, amen. So you're like, oh, that's why I have dreams and visions, yeah. I'm so glad for the dreams that come. I'm so glad for God showing me things. God will speak to you. You know, sometimes you have so much rattling going on, so much chatter in your own head that he has to get you to go to sleep so he can talk to you. Pay attention to your dreams. Pay attention to your dreams. Pay attention to those who are around you. Surround yourself with men of God. Surround yourself with women of God. Surround yourself with people that hold your shut-up card. So they tell you, you need to stop and you need to shut up. Now, if nobody holds your shut-up card, you're rogue and you're headed for a major crash. So if everybody around you tells you no, then they're all wrong and you're right, then you, you have a problem. So you have to develop these, you got to develop these kinds of relationships, these tight close relationships. I've known you guys a long time. Mary, I've known you a really long time. Praise God. And as you develop these relationships, and I, mean, I love how you spoke into my life about a certain something when you were here. It's just for me. I, I remember. But you were like, you weren't afraid to tell me. And I'm glad. We need that. Listen, you, you don't surround yourself with people that are afraid of hurting your feelings because you, you control them with your anger. So they don't really want to tell you the truth because you're going to fly off the handle and lose your mind. So that's the way they keep you shutting up from telling the truth. You know what I learned a long time ago? You can lose your mind if you want to. You can hear from me anyway. If we're no longer friends, you can talk to Jesus about that. But I'm going to hold, I'm going to keep my conscience clean. And it's doing it in love that it can sometimes be hard. Am I just preaching to myself? Is somebody else getting this? Guard yourself from false thoughts. And the only way you can know that they're false is by knowing the word, right? How are you going to know something's false if you don't, if you're not accountable with people? That's why I don't know how people live the Christian life without a church home family, a family in church. How do you do that? When you walk in and your your lips dragging so low you can suck marbles out of gopher holes. And then somebody says, Are you okay? And then then you know, you got enough love and trust in that relationship to say, uh, uh, no. And they're like, okay, can I pray for you? You know, so many people come in like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. How's everything? Praising God. Thank you. You praising God? I'm praising God. You praising God? Inside, you're dying. Inside, something happened. In the, your dog died. Some, you know, somebody ran away or there's some tragedy. And you're praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, I, 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 believe in, I believe in being joyful in all things, yes, but you have to have a loving relationship that'll help you to, so that people can help you, amen? 
so that God can help you through people. That's one of the ways you guard yourself. The other one is by obeying specifically God's word. Somebody said, I'm just going to keep smoking because I'm not convicted. I'm going to keep smoking dope because I'm not convicted. I don't know what rock they crawled out from under that just because they're not convicted that that's the standard of truth. The standard of truth is it's not your conviction. God's word is the standard of truth. So when God's word talks about that, the way in which we should live, and if you're not convicted, it's because you're seared in that area of your conscience. And you, know how, you need to unsear yourself. Well, I'm not really bothered by that. That might be sin for you, but that's not sin for me. I can shackle with my girlfriend if I want to because the Lord knows. He knows I got a lot of love and I need to spread it around. That's why I got a lot of girlfriends and stuff, and I'm not convicted of that. Just because you're not convicted doesn't mean it's truth. God's word's truth. Line your line your convictions up with it. Then again, some some of you some of you are some of you just you know you're convicted about something that that actually is permissible for you to be allowed to do. That it's all right, but because your grandma told you or whatever, no disrespect, but. Pray about everything with thanksgiving. Everybody say pray. Pray to heaven. Forgive and be forgiven. I got to hurry up. Forgive and be forgiven. See, we can tear down strongholds. Let me read this to you. God's word reveals the truth that God has come through his son Jesus to redeem us. That there is a judgment day. There is a heaven and a hell. We can please God by our lives. There is truth and false doctrine. You need to tear down the false and you need to stand on the truth. Jesus' word tells us not to worry in Matthew 6. Paul gives us insight on how to, help, how to handle worry in Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing but by prayer and petition make your request known to God and the peace of God. The peace of the what? The peace of God. So quit wringing your hands and start lifting your hands and start praying. Start praying and see it change. When you're, when you're fighting temptation, you're trying to overcome things, get on your knees. Drop to your knees. What if I'm embarrassed myself? You, you, better than destroy your marriage. Better, better, than, better than, you know, allow the devil to blow your life up. You know, in the end, you, you, your friend that you're hanging with, whoever is encouraging you to do the things that are wrong, if there is one, they're not going to be standing next to you on Judgment Day. All right, let's move on to the next point. Paul tells us to capture, to capture anger by not letting it rule us past a day, Ephesians. Don't let anger get a foothold. Topos is the Greek word. It's, it's, a, it's a foothold, a place of operation. Topo map, right? You have a topo map for all you hikers and hunters and everybody out there? And you look and you see the elevation says, don't give the devil a base camp of operations to work in your life through not forgiving and through staying angry for a long time. The Holy Spirit can reveal the lie and help us to replace it with truth. Lastly, we must stay humble. Did you get something? We're in a battle. Stand up on your feet all across this place. We're in a battle. Let's ask God. Listen, this is something that, that my mama taught me a long time ago. And my pastor, 
Dr. Morocco taught me as well, something that we've done all our lives since we've been saved, is we asked the Holy Spirit to show us where we jacked up. So do you have anything that's messed up? Yep, I'm sure. I'm not really aware of anything at the moment, but I'm going to ask him right now. Come on, lift your hands if that helps you. Just talk to the Lord. Come on, talk to him. Ask him. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Reveal anything on the inside of our lives. Oh, come on, make it personal. Reveal anything in my life, in my thinking that's contrary to truth. Expose the lies. Some of you ain't praying it because you're scared. There is one particular person, at least, there could be more than one, one specifically that I see. And the Lord has been trying to set you free from lust. He's been trying to set you free from lust. But you keep feeding that thing. Listen very closely, whoever you are. You keep feeding that thing and feeding that thing. And you've heard that Christians can't have demons. And I say to you that a Christian can have whatever he wants to. And if you continue to yield to that sin, you will end up with a demon of lust and perversion. And you will destroy your marriage, destroy your kids. You've seen the weight of it. You've felt it. You've even seen it, that thing, that 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 wicked line trying to run through your kids, but yet you continue to yield. You refuse to... Listen, you might need to go to a program. I'm not looking at somebody. You let the Holy Spirit convict you. Set your life up. Get right. Get healed. There's programs that you can go to to get delivered from that. You can be... It's just like drug addiction or worse. You've got to break it. You've got to be aggressive with it or you will destroy your life and end up in hell and take your kids there with you. If you can stop it, whoever you are, quit it. Maybe online. Listen, the, the devil plays for keeps. Here, look at me real quick. Deal aggressively with sin. Do whatever you got to do. I don't usually tell my testimony, and I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but I couldn't get free on my own. I had to go to a program, and I got kicked out. Stubborn, thick-headed, demonized young man I was so many years ago. It's a long time ago. It wasn't last week. Long time. You do whatever you have to to break that thing off of your life. You, you, come on, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent. You just keep whistling and entertaining that thing. It'll take you deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And before you know it, you won't even know how to get out of the hole or you'll be so seared that you won't even see the forest from the trees because the devil have totally blinded you and there's no promise you could ever come back to God either. Come on, ask him to show you. Come on, make a commitment. I'm going to tear down. I commit to tear down every stronghold in my life, all of my life, the rest of my days. Come on, say that. I commit to tear down every stronghold in my life, all of my life, the rest of my days. So help me, God. I will not yield. I will live in holiness and purity by the grace and the power of God. Come on, you just talk to God all across this place. Sin matters. Fornication matters. Addiction matters. I'm trying to break through to some of you. I'm trying to help you. Quit playing church. Get serious. He said, I've already been to a bunch of programs. Well, go to another one. Get to a different one. Get under the power of God. Get some accountability. 
Some of you might need to quit your job to get free. I don't know what you've got to do. Do whatever your soul matters. Your marriage matters. Your kids matter. If there's no fire in the home, there ain't going to be any fire in your kids. Just like if there's no fire in the pulpit, there ain't going to be any fire in the pews either. And if there's no holiness, then you will not see him. For without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Please understand, I'm preaching to myself. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm telling you there's a higher place we can go to. Oh, God, reveal any stronghold. Show me. Reveal anything, Lord, that displeases you. Any high and lofty thing. Reveal to us any argument, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God because we do not want the enemy to undermine or have a hold on us. As you said, Satan is coming and he has no hold on me. Lord, Satan has no hold on us because we submit to you and we will tear down every stronghold. If there's any place, again, if there's any place, Holy Spirit, do a searching, search us. You know we're rising up, you know we're setting down, search us. If there be any anxious, any, any way in the, inside us that's out of accord that we could repent. We plead the blood of Jesus over our lives today, over this message, over this church. I bind, it's interesting, I bind a spirit of retaliation that would come to try to give kickback in Jesus' name. And I take authority now, I plead the blood of Jesus over every single person here, over every family that calls this place home, over our project over all of our properties and our vans, over our homes. Come on, it's, it's a powerful thing. Do it. I plead the blood. I pray the blood. Blood covering over our homes, over our children. Impenetrable protection of the blood of Jesus. We thank you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God, don't leave this place. In the closing moments of this service, if you're not right with God, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time, or you need to make a recommitment because you drifted, and you know you did. You drifted, you need to come home. You're not as on fire. You've got compromise, perhaps. You fit in any of those categories. Give your heart to Jesus first time. Number two, make a recommitment to him on the count of three. Slip your hand up, maybe at home also. Ready? One, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If you're serious... No, no, no kidding. Meet me right here. Quickly come. Quick, 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 quick. Don't think about it. Come, 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 come. Come on, come on. Come on, somebody ought to put their hands together for these beautiful people. Come on. Amen. Wonderful. Come on, it's a new day. It's a new day. His mercies are new every morning, and it's, mercy, it, it's, it's morning somewhere. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Anybody else need to come? You come right now. There's no shame here. We don't want to embarrass you. But it's important to make a step before people that love God. Because you can't do it here. You'll never do it out there. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Right out loud, affirm your faith, church. Those of you up here recommitting, giving your life afresh to Him, or perhaps even for the first time, just pray right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin come into my heart come into my life and be my Lord be my Savior wash me cleanse me make me new 
thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Lift your hands all across this place. You can't do it for someone else. You can only do it for you. Come on, lift your hands and let the Holy Spirit just wash over you. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Take it. It's all right. is almost over. Come sit right here, son. Lift your hands. lift your hands. Holy Spirit, touch. That's it. I see music. I see arts. I see God's anointing. powers on you. His powers on you. It's a new day. It's a new hour. Swirl of creativity. Power of God. Power of God. Power of God upon you. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Just receive for a moment and then we're going to close tonight. Lord, thank you for a strong word. Thank you that we win the battle. seconds. Come on, 30 seconds. Just praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Just sing it all the way up. 
Something's shifting right now. There's a shift that's taking place in the atmosphere here. The Holy Spirit's moving. Come on, press in for a moment longer. I'm not going to keep you all night, I promise. Come on, just press in. Lean in. Lean in tonight. The Lord is a strong tower. He's a strong tower in the midst of the storm that you're facing even now. Speak to the wind and command it to stop. We speak to the storm. We command it to obey the word of the Lord. It is turning. It is turning. It is turning. A fresh, fresh wind. A fresh wind is blowing. The rain is falling. A blessing is falling down even now. We walk by faith and not by sight. Continue to speak to the storm. Continue to face it head on with the word, with the power of the word, the power of the word of God. Declare it and see it come to pass even now. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, but stand. And having done all to stand, continue to stand you therefore in the word of the Lord. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it's by the Spirit, saith the Lord. Come on, give them praise in the house of God tonight. Let me bless you. We'll close. Father, thank you for what you've done tonight, for what you're going to do all week long. Thank you for favor on our property and the finishing of our building with shouts of grace, grace to it. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, expanding church family, for all that you've done, Lord, and all that you will yet do. We give you praise and glory and honor. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us, O oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.